I heard a story of two members of the British Navy who were docked in London. Some of you guys might have heard this story before. They, they had the idea to sneak off on shore and have a couple of drinks and then sneak back on board. After becoming inebriated, upon stepping out of the pub, they realized that a dense fog had rolled in. And they asked a man coming towards them, Excuse me, sir, we are lost. Could you point us back towards the docks? They were unaware they were speaking to their commanding officer. (laughs) Incensed by their audacity, he replied, Do you know who I am? In which case the men said, Oh boy, we're really in for it. We don't know where we are, and he doesn't know who he is. I love that story. And it's regretfully a great commentary on our culture today. Things are getting more and more confusing as the story unravels. People are getting more confused. (laughs) And we can expect that from our culture. But as a Christian, I've become tired of people asking the wrong questions. Asking the wrong questions. Can an atheist be happy without God, I've heard a lot recently, uh, for instance. And that's just a terrible question. Uh, of, uh, Of course they can, but it's the entirely wrong question to ask. The question itself is flooded with erroneous assumptions that we don't even realize. Much like the sailors in our opening illustration, there's more going on than they realized. Jesus didn't die on a cross to make you happy. That's not why he came. He died on the cross to make you holy. Something that is entirely impossible without the cross of Christ, without his redeeming grace. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that without faith it is impossible to please God. So the whole question is wrong. But there... Moving beyond that, there is one kind of question that Christians really need to stop asking. And it's not just one question. It's a kind of question. Here's a couple of examples, maybe to give you kind of an idea of where I'm coming from. How much alcohol can I drink and it not be a sin? Can I listen to a particular type of music with much profanity, vulgarity, and promoting promiscuity? How skimpy is too skimpy when I pick out clothes for the summer? All of those are terrible questions to ask. That's like asking my wife, how unfaithful to you can I be and us still be married? (laughs) That's a horrible question to ask. All of those questions are asking how close to the line of sin can I dance and not cross over the line? That's the wrong question, guys. And that's perhaps more dangerous than we even realize. Let let us turn back to our scripture this morning to see what's wrong with it. Just want to zero in on Hebrews 12.1 that says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's pause there. This scripture pictures the idea of running a race. 
a metaphor for our lives, this race towards godliness and a race uh, of life. And we're being encouraged to lay aside every weight, everything that slows us down in this race, we are to lay aside. But it says every weight and sin. It's not just talking about sins in this passage. So that we can run this race with endurance unhindered by anything that slows us down in this race. Not just our sins, but anything that takes us back from the glory of God in our lives. So hear me on this, church. The question that we ought to be asking isn't, is this thing a sin? Can I get away with this? Is this too close to the line? The question isn't, is it a sin? The question ought to be, does this help me run? Does this help me run this race? Does whatever this thing is get in my way of what God has called me to do? Or or does it hinder me from being more godly, more patient, more kind, more self-controlled? And if it hinders me, it doesn't matter if it's a sin or not. If it's a hindrance, we're called to get rid of it. Regardless. Let me put this another way. I am confident that there have been exactly zero serious marathon runners who have asked the organizers, you know, would it be possible to run this race with a giant, heavy winter coat. Because that's a stupid question to ask if you want to win the race. That's not a question you're thinking about if you want to win the race. It's not going to help you run. It will be a burden to the task at hand. There doesn't need to be any rules against it. Because it's a request that is incompatible with the goal. Why would you want that? And so similarly as Christians, why do we want to dance on the line? Why do we want to get as close to sin as possible with some of our decisions? And some of our bad choices? When we ought to be asking, how can I better run this race? How can I be more unhindered? So... Let's get practical. Let's remember what it is that we're running for. What is our goal in life? What is our goal and duty as Christians? We've brought it up recently. I think a great summary is the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Another pastor who I very much admire has said that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. And I love that because it shows that the, that, that catechism, you know, the glory of God and, enjo- and the enjoyment of God are two sides of the same coin. God is glorified when we enjoy him in truth. That is what we're called to do. Our, that's our aim in life, to find our satisfaction, our hope, our contentment, our joy in God in, and in what he has done for us. So we ought to pursue everything that magnifies our joy and our contentment and our love for him and flee from anything that takes away from that. 
So here's my point, getting practical. Every job opportunity, every relationship we might enter, any move that we might entertain, every education choice, every business deal, we ought to ask long and pause and ask long enough to ask, does this help me meet my goals? Or does it hinder them? Now, I spoke to a good friend of mine uh, recently whose dear friendship and partnership with me in the gospel has just meant the world to me. And I found out fairly recently, I almost never met this person. You know, he had this amazing, super lucrative job opportunity out west. And him and his family flew out there a couple of times. They loved the area. Uh, they loved the facility that they were going to get for their business. Uh, they found everything that they needed for them to thrive out west, except for one pretty important thing. They couldn't find a good church. They couldn't find a good church out there. And they flew out multiple times, exhaustively checking out the area, seeing if there's some home Bible study that they missed somewhere that could help them, a church that could, but they couldn't find one church that would help them grow, one church that would teach them the word of God, one that they could trust to, with their kids, and one where they would personally be challenged to grow and use their giftings for God's glory. So despite every other blessing that this opportunity presented, they ultimately turned it down. And, and they stayed here in New Jersey because it would have been an unnecessary weight that would have pulled them down. And whatever material benefits they could have had in this lucrative business opportunity, they forsook to prioritize the things that meant most to them. Now, let me ask you, in light of this passage that we're examining, could they have gone out west? Absolutely. They could have. You know, would there have been anything inherently sinful about them doing so? No. Nothing, there's, not, there's no sin out there. Uh, and would 99% of other people have taken the job anyway? Perhaps. If everything else lined up. But did they absolutely make the most God-honoring decision possible? Oh, you bet they did. Oh, you bet they did. And when you put God first, God has a way of working the other details out. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. And that's exactly what happened to him. He, he now has a lucrative business here in the East. He's an elder at his church. Uh, him and his wife are still heavily involved in ministry, and so is their daughter. That little girl in this story that uh, they were worried about being raised in the Lord, she's now serving the Lord and doing great things, working together as a family. It's a beautiful end to the story, but that's a tough one. That's a tough situation we don't think about. Most people don't ask that question when we contemplate moving, do we? Now it's the first question I ask somebody when, they, when I find out they're moving out west, they're moving up north, they're moving wherever it is. It's a lot to be learned there. So church, let's, when are we going to stop asking questions like, can I? Is it a sin if I? And start asking the question, will this help me run? 
Is this what's best for me and my family? Is this the most godly choice for me and my family? Will this job that I'm contemplating taking allow me to spend more time with God? Or will I have to work so many hours that, no, there's not a chance I'm doing the Bible plan this year. Will this decision give me more opportunities to serve God, to worship God? to tell others about him? Will whatever decision I'm weighing help make me a better spouse, a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, a better child, a better whatever it is that you are? And look, for for some people, I I don't want to err too much on the other side, for some people, that 70-hour lucrative work week, you know, that is a blessing from God. And they could take the benefits of that to bless others with it. So that's not the point. The goal is neither... Poverty nor wealth, it's the glory of God, that he is glorified in whatever it is that we do in this lifetime. And if this is our goal, we have to ask the question, is our life aimed in that direction? Or have we been making choices that hinder us? Does your job, your social habits, or similar matters help or hinder you? Perhaps some spiritual inventory is in order. Because only only you can answer these questions for you and your family. It's different for everyone. And don't hear what I'm not saying either. (laughs) It's very easy in a message like this to miss my point. I'm not saying you must not drink alcohol and you're a sinner if you do. That is not my point. Please don't hear that. This isn't legalism. This isn't about legalism. Because we all stand equal at the foot of the cross. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Prophet Isaiah said that all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. The person who doesn't drink, the person who's kept their purity, the person who has attended church three times a week for the last 30 years, if they don't, whatever their testimony looks like, if they don't have Christ, you're just as lost without God as the quintessential sinner that you thought of when I just used that word. Whatever it looks like. We all stand equal without Christ. We all are unrighteous without him. We all need his love, forgiveness, and grace. So that's not what I'm talking about. This this passage and the emphasis that we're placing on it today isn't about salvation. It's our sanctification. It's the process of being made more like God as we grow in the faith, as we enjoy him. It's the natural outworking of that. So this isn't about how to be saved. It's about what is our response because we are saved. It's a response to the cross. And because I have been redeemed, and because of that, you know, I, 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 I now ask, how can I do anything but run as fast as I can away from those sins? Uh, how fast can I run away from that proverbial line we've been talking about today? Because we have, we have this tendency to focus on what we've been saved from. Sometimes we forget as a church that what we've been saved to. Now, Jesus didn't die on a cross so that my life and yours would look exactly the same. That ought to change our life. 
It ought, there ought to be a process of me becoming more Christ-like as time goes by. Because he didn't just die to free us from the punishment of our sins, but to free us from the power of sin in our lives, to send his Holy Spirit into our hearts, to have that sanctifying process, to give us the power to resist temptation, to live a more godly lifestyle over time. (laughs) It's been said that Jesus loves you just the way that you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. And through the gospel, he has given us all that we need to step into that new life that he's called us to. He has given us a new heart, the scripture says, a new spirit, made us a new creation. We've been born again. And with all of that in mind, knowing who I once was makes me all the more want to run in to this new identity he's purchased for me on the cross. And I want to lay aside anything that hinders that process. That's what I'm saying this morning, church. I just want the church to ask the right questions in pursuit of that goal. Because too often we ask the wrong ones. So in summary, literally, when any opportunity presents itself, I have to ask, is this going to make me more loving, more at peace, more confident, more godly, more a, a better steward of the things God has entrusted me in? Is this making me love God more? Making me more satisfied in him? Making me a better steward of the things God has entrusted me in? Or am I just, over time, getting more and more focused on my own problems? And perhaps taking a step backwards in whatever decision we're making. Because we have to, we have to pause. And if, if we're called to go this way, When presented with an opportunity in life, we have to ask, is this decision sending me this way again? Is it in line with where I'm going? And as a reminder, these these choices aren't black and white. I can't tell you all the decisions, what's right for you and your family. It's different for everyone. You know, every every family's what 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 maybe a blessing to you would be a hindrance for me, or vice versa. But if you hear nothing else from me this morning, church, this is really what I want to keep coming back to. If all we ask is, is it a sin if I do something? Then our walk and experience with God will be permanently set at best to the bare minimum. If our walk... If all we ask is, is it a sin, then our walk and experience with God will be permanently set at best to the bare minimum. And let me tell you, if you know God this morning, you know that you don't want the bare minimum. You know that can't be the goal. And if you want your relationship with God to be turned up to 11, like I know many of you guys do, I see you nodding, We need to set the bar higher. We need to have a higher calling. We need to ask better questions. So therefore, let us lay aside every weight, not just sin that slows us down, 
and run this race with endurance, looking to Jesus, fixing our eyes upon him until we reach the finish line on the other side of eternity. Thanks be to God. Amen.